what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Brothers in Tech is a weekly podcast focused on personal and home technology, helping provide you, our fellow brothers and sisters in tech, with some information, assistance, and recommendations. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Brothers in Tech here on the Mesh.tv podcast network. My name is Alan Jackson. I'm actually going to put our titles up, Brian, so people follow along easily at home in case they're watching the video version. My name is Alan Jackson. As you see on the left-hand side of your screen, over to the right of me is Brian Jackson, actual brother, not just my brother in tech, my actual blood brother. So, uh, Brian, how you doing? (laughs) I'm good. I'm good. I mean, did we ever really determine the the blood brother? brother? By blood is, I guess, what I meant to say. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have we ever determined that for sure? I mean, there's. It's never been officially tested. No. There's been. I mean, we grew up. We grew up together. (laughs) There has been theories. There has been theories. Um, (laughs) I'm not sure. I'm not sure which one of us should uh, grasp onto one of those theories, but. yeah, I yeah, don't. I, guess I don't think we need to get into that in this episode. That's a whole. That's a whole another discussion on a different yeah. show. To talk let's, about. let's approach that when we bring the parents on one of these days. When we really are ready to just say, "Forget this show," and let's bring them on. <laughs> let's put them on the. Put them on the. Uh, on the spot. I think that we'll, so we'll, we'll hold actually. Off on that. Say, we'll, we'll, it'll be our Mari Povich <laughs> special episode where yeah. we uh, talk about who's who's actually related to who and see if there's any secrets that need to be uncovered at any point. I love discussion. it. But I for now, it. we're going on the assumption that Brian and I are brothers. <laughs> so, I think that's uh, fair. To, yes. I think that's a fair assumption I think to work with. Fair. Let's 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 just assume it. Let's just make the assumption. We've been dealing right? with this assumption for like 47, 48 years, so I think we can keep it going for a little bit longer. So yeah, uh, this is brothers in tech, and yes, <laughs> Brian and I are brothers. We do have a little bit of fun with our show here. The main reason we get together and do this show is we love talking technology. We love talking personal technology, like home and family technology. And, and, uh, and this is the only time we talk every week. It just gives yeah. us a reason to actually get on the computer and talk <laughs> to each other for maybe an hour or so every week. And um, that's I mean, what we do on this show. Honest. We've been doing this for a couple of years now. Yeah. What you just said, we, we love tech talking technology. You didn't say yeah. we love talking. You didn't say that we love talking to each other. We just, we love talking mm-hmm. tech to each other. So it's yeah, true. I think that's it's very true. Enough. It gives us a reason to talk because otherwise we'd probably go a lot longer. <laughs> agreed. Don't you think me? Is that, is that agreed? Okay. I think that's uh, a very acute, uh, accurate statement. So, 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 let's so go I'm ahead. saying that home technology is the only <laughs> thing keeping our brotherly relationship. Our relationship. <laughs> Man, if we if we ever get rid of this podcast, what are we what are we going to do? I don't know. I'll see no. you at family reunions every uh, once in the blue yeah. moon, I guess, and that'd be about it. Yeah. No, we joke. Brian and I talk. We we, we even though despite the uh, the ribbing, we actually have a, a pretty good relationship. So, uh, but technology has certainly helped because I think that is something <laughs> you and I just have a that's right real affinity. That's to. right. Yeah. So. Um, Today on the show, we got a couple of things we're going to do. We're going to talk first about um, something that I find myself still depending on on a daily basis, and I think a lot of people out there probably do. 
uh, file backup? sharing services. Oh, yeah. sorry. And then, well, a little bit. There's a little bit of <laughs> yeah, backup yeah, with yeah. this discussion, okay. but um, we're going to talk about file sharing in general, file sharing services on the cloud. It's something you and I, Brian, we talked about early on in the show. We, we held an episode specifically about services like Dropbox and Google Drive and, and so forth. We're going to revisit it a little bit just because I feel like it's still a pretty important topic for people to understand how they could be used, how people are using file sharing services and some pros and cons to keep in mind when, when using any of these services and maybe creative ways to use it people haven't thought of. Um, yeah. And for you, a little bit of comparison with some of the different brand names of those file sharing services. So we're going to talk about that in a little bit. And uh, I've got a little bit of an update to give on the uh, network in my house, the NAS, the network uh, attached storage. It is up and running. So we didn't get a chance last week to uh, catch on to that. So we're going to talk about it a little bit today. I'll give you yeah, a little walkthrough of kind that. of what I can do with that now. Yeah. And then I think we both have a, uh, a bits to share a brothers yep. in tech suggestion at the end of the episode as well. So we're going to do that before the episode runs out. So uh, some things to talk about, some things to share as always, we encourage everybody. If you've got comments, questions, if you're watching live, we'd love to hear if you got questions on the spot. If you're watching after we're live, which is how most people are watching it. Um, feel free to follow up with some questions or notes or ideas We'll give you some information at the end of the episode of how you can reach us and talk about some of these topics along with us. Um, okay, Brian, yeah, so let's talk. Good. Let's do it. Let's talk online file sharing services. Okay. Um, let's start by just talking about what it is we're talking about when we say online file sharing services, because I want to make sure we're really clear with people that this is what these services are referred to and what they can do. So, Brian, you know, kind of how would you describe a file sharing service to somebody uh, like a Dropbox or some of these others we're going to talk about? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, well, obviously the idea of having some sort of digital file that you want to give others access to. Now, to, to me, there's there's a number of different layers of that or levels of that that you could say, well, okay, I'm going to I'm going to email that person the file. Well, that's giving them a copy of that file that goes to them that they can then work with and use. What we're talking about is, okay, what if I were to store the file somewhere and give them permissions to that file? So permissions to be able to get to the file in the cloud, not a hard copy, not a, not a copy at all actually, but a version, you know, an access to the actual file itself. So I think that, you know, these have become really popular over the years because one, you're trying to store things on the cloud, trying to get them off of your main computer or your um, uh, on the uh, your home home storage and get them in a place where you can access them more readily from other places. So we tend to use the cloud. Right. We're doing that a lot, putting things up. Um, but this is most of these are really made for you're going to store it in the cloud to have backup and storage but you're also then going to give permissions to other people to be able to use that file. So there's no reason anymore for you to send a copy of a file to someone, they work on it, which makes a copy of that copy, and then they send it back and there's another copy of the copy of the copy. Mm -hmm. So this is uh, a way in which you can put it into a location where multiple people can access it. Does that yeah. sound right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think you, you gave a good example of how it differs from like an email copy or a copy you give somebody on a thumb drive or something. 
it is the idea is that you can you're sharing a file just like you would through those other other ways. The difference being is that that file is going to stay up there in that file sharing yeah. service. So if you send somebody a link and say, here's the file, go go grab it, they could come back and get that file at any time. It's there. If we need to share it with other people, we can send that same link to other people and they would have it. Um, you can share an entire folder of files. Mm-hmm. So it's not just one file or a whole bunch of files you've got to attach to an email. You're saying, hey, here's a link to this folder where there's 20 files that you may need that I want to share with you. Some great common applications we see with this, I mean, just general everyday personal use of this. Let's say you've got a photo, uh, a, a library of photos, like a whole folder full of photos you want to share with somebody. And you could use, you know, your uh, Mac Photos app or your built-in computer photo app to do some sort of sharing. But what if you don't know what kind of computers they're on or you don't know how they're going to access these photos? Put them up in a file sharing service, put them up in a folder, so share that folder with all the people in your family or friends that you want to have access to those photos. And then they all have access. They can all flip through all of the photos in that folder, download the ones that they want, or sometimes you can make comments on them if you want to share some feedback on each of them. It's just a way of collaborating or sharing something to a uh, little bit larger audience with more flexibility than you could sending them just a single copy through an email or, or some other way like that. Yeah. And, and the other, the other important distinction, which I know we allude to here, but we didn't really specifically say is that you are sharing, you are sharing with them a dynamic version of the file. Okay. If I, if I send, if I send you Alan, if I put something on a thumb drive and send it to you, you have a static version of that file, meaning when it gets Mm -hmm. there, it's in the form in which I put it on that drive. Now you could go and change it and save it and then send me back. And now that static version comes to me. But in the meantime, I have no access to that USB drive to update it when you're holding on to mm-hmm. it. Similar to Correct. that in an email. I send it to you in the email. You now have a static version that you can update, but I still have my static version. So now we got two versions. What we're suggesting is you could actually share a folder where Alan, you go and look at my folder today and then you look again at tomorrow and I've added new stuff. You get to see the new stuff. You're seeing it in its yeah. most, you know, update, up-to-date form. So it's a, dy- it's a yeah. dynamic sharing of the actual, you know, information, which is great. Even better, the person you're sharing that folder with, you could give them access to where they could go and actually put up right. their own files in that folder too. So then you have like a shared common space for different people to put their files together and share them with one, one another. Uh, yeah, so absolutely. Great applications. Now, you mentioned early on when you were kind of setting this up that this is also a way that you could kind of store your own files, even if you don't mm-hmm. have any intentions of sharing with somebody else. To have an account with one of these file sharing services and decide that you're going to put some of your own files up there, whether it's as a copy, meaning it's like a back copy of some of the things on your computer you want to have somewhere else. Or maybe it's a, a way that you want to be able to access these files from other computers or other devices that you need access yeah. to. Um, if you're occasionally finding yourself on different computers and you want to have a, a simplified way of sharing a batch of files in one place you can access from anywhere, this could just be for you, your own purpose, whether it's as backup or as it's a way of sharing with other devices that you are on. Um, there's a lot of options, a lot of ways to use these services. Um, 
Yeah. I, yeah. I'll tell you just as an example, the, the service we use, which we're going to talk about here in a minute specifically, but I use it multiple ways. I, I've, I do have backups of some things going to one of these <laughs> services. Um, believe it or of not. Of course you do. <laughs> of course I do. Um, actually it's a, you know, on a business side, we, I have a lot of websites that we manage and, and, and I actually have it set to every week. It's going to make a backup of those websites onto our sh- shared file uh, account. So that way I always have a good backup of those things. And this happening is being put in an online cloud storage. I can access and get to anywhere I need to. Um, so it's a little bit of backup. It's a little bit of redundancy. And then there's several folders I have of these are things I am sharing with others, whether they're other friends and family or whether they're cloud uh, uh, clients that I need to share things with on a work standpoint. Uh, it's kind of a mixed use for me with the the, the yeah. storage service I'm using. So, um, Alan, do you remember, um, <clears throat> I, I, I don't even know how many years ago it might have been. And, and honestly, I think uh, there's probably family members that I have or that we have, I guess, but um, that may still be using things this way. But email used to be someone's way of storing files. So, you know, they know they received a they received a file and they also know that I can then go to someone else's computer and I can log into my email. So I certainly have access to it there or they'll send themselves something hmm. through email so they can store. I, I mean, I've got, I've got family members who used to do that all the time where they would say, well, I have a bunch of folders and I know that's where that, that file is. Oh, I, I know that's where this yeah, is. Yeah. But the issue, right, the, the big the big concern there is that this is doing just that, but it's doing it in so much more of a clean way. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and you're also then not, you know, dealing with the email and trying to search and find out where it is. You can actually edit it. And then therefore it is just, it's basically taking your hard drive and putting in the cloud or a version of it and then giving other people access to it and yourself access to it in, in multiple places, yeah. which I think... Um, has become a really, really smart and useful thing to have. So, so why don't you tell us about your how you or what the service you use, and then I will maybe refute that. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. So I am going to talk a little bit about uh, the service that I'm I use primarily, and it is one that I've used for many, many years, and it's one that I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with as well because it's kind of the you know how sometimes the brands um, certain brands become kind of the brand name or the company kind of becomes what people refer to it as like Xerox Q-tip. used to be how Q-tip. we refer to companies. And yeah, exactly. To me, Dropbox is kind of becoming a little bit of that. All right. If you're sharing files online, you have a Dropbox or you send a Dropbox link to somebody or something. That's, um, that's the one I probably hear the most often. And, 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 and is also the one I use the most often. We, we do have a pretty large, large Dropbox account that we use within our this work group that we all share on and uh, gives us a lot of storage. But I, we also individually have our own little pieces of it. We use for our own online file storage. So Dropbox has been around for a while. It is a, they have a couple different tiers. They have a, a free tier service where you can sign up for free and you get two gigabytes of storage available to you but you're also limited in what kind of transfers you can do on a regular basis back and forth to it. Now for some, you know, two gigabytes, if you're just wanting to have a place to 
share a few files here and there and you're not, you know, not backing up a lot of stuff to it. You're just, Hey, I want to share some photos. I want to share a couple of documents we're working on. It's great because it is free. Um, you can put files up in Dropbox on a, through a web browser and you can then create a link for any file or folder to share with other people you send it to. I'm going to peek into my Dropbox line and, uh, Dangerous. It's a little scary because we got a it's got a big 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 uh, as you can see over here on the left side I got a lot of first <laughs> in our Dropbox account we have a two terabyte Dropbox account and in my own folder I've got plenty of files and things that are there right now uh, none of this is backup none of this is things I'm backing up these are all things I'm sharing with somebody else okay so if I want to uh, I went on a photo shoot and took a whole bunch of photos I put them up in a folder share the folder with the person I did the photos for and said, Hey, take a look at them and see what you think and pick out the ones you like. Um, if uh, I have a file I'm working on and I want to share it with a group of people, I put here. And what's really nice about Dropbox, just like any other service, but you can put them and create folders where you want to put these files, any individual file you want to share with somebody, you can basically go and say, I want to copy a link. And it will actually get that file. And then that's the link you could send to somebody and say, hey, click on this link. And when they do, they actually are viewing that file or either downloading it or viewing it in place. If you have a video or a photograph that you're sharing and you send the link to somebody, when they click the link, they're actually taking to a Dropbox window to view it. So they can flip through a photo album or they can play a video within the the browser so you can share videos and photos that way and people can see without having to install any other software or have any other kind of applications available to open them up and see them. Um, so creating folders, moving folders or organizing however you wish. And then of course, if there's a file that I'm done with, I can go in and say, I want to download it or delete it, whatever I may need to do whenever I'm not sharing it anymore or needing it to be up there. Um, so Dropbox, Dropbox is nice. Um, I think one thing that I don't use with it that I know some services allow along with Dropbox is the ability to sync the files up in the cloud, up in that storage with your local hard drive. And let me explain what that means because it's kind of a tough concept to get your head around. Let's say you are putting files up in Dropbox, but you also want to make sure that you have a copy of them local on your computer. Say, for example, if you're someone who travels a lot and moves around and you've got some important files you're putting up in Dropbox, but you always want to make sure that there's a copy of them on your computer at any given time in case you need to access them when you're offline, when you're not on the internet. Dropbox has a desktop app that you can install and choose what folders in your Dropbox account you want to keep. They call it Smart Sync. It's going to try to sync as many of the files from your online Dropbox account onto your local computer and always make sure they're in sync. So if I were to, if, if Brian, you put another file up in my Dropbox folder and that folder is being synced on my computer, then within minutes, that file will also appear on my computer hard drive locally. Yeah. And if I got disconnected from the internet, that file is still a copy of it is still here. Um, it's nice if you're someone who doesn't maybe have access to the internet all the time and want to make sure you always have access to those files. If you've always got access to the internet, the, the syncing isn't quite as critical. Um, yeah. But it yeah. is a nice feature just, to have. 
for sure. And it will it will take up space. You have to you have to remember exactly what is thinking yeah. taking up your hard drive. That space. is uh, that is one problem with Dropbox I run into is that by default, if you install the app on your computer and you turn on the smart syncing, it's going to take as much hard drive space off your computer as it can to sync things from your Dropbox account. If you've got a lot of stuff on your Dropbox, it's going to try to sync as much of that as possible on your hard drive. It will eat up your space. By default, it tries to sync anything. So I actually go in and say, don't sync anything, and just manually check the folders that I want it to sync, and just sync this folder, and just sync this one, and that's it. So anything I know I put into those two folders will always be synced back to my computer as a backup strategy for me. So, um, so I do like Dropbox. I do agree. It's a um, couple things I think we're going to talk about as we look at some alternatives is it's not the best one for collaboration. Meaning if I wanted to actually work on a document with you, Brian, let's say if there's a document in my folder and I said, all right, Brian, I want to share this with you and let's collaborate. Let's work together on this word document or this text document. It, it's not really the best setup for that. Um, there are some simple collaboration tools you can use where you can edit some basic text between each of us, but it doesn't go much deeper than that. And it's not the one I would recommend for people if they're looking to really work alongside other people when using uh, file sharing. For me, it really is just a file repository. It is a place yeah. to put files that I need to share with other people. And I send them a link because it's very simple and easy to do that. Um, again, nice, nice job putting repository in there. That was, that was good. That was my word. That's my word of the day. I, I, we, check, check, right. You got it. Mm -hmm. So the free plan is two gigabytes of storage, which is a a lot of storage for most people. Uh, if you did want to pay and get a higher storage, you can go up to two terabytes, which is a $10 a month service. Um, just so you know, me and my my colleagues, we have the same login password for drop our Dropbox account. So we actually share it among each other. Now, the, the danger of that is, is that if I put anything up in my Dropbox, that means any of my other colleagues have the same yeah, exact access. access. Yep. But if you're in a family or group and you all just want to have one plan, one account, and you're all okay sharing the same login and password and having the same access, you know, 10 bucks a month for two terabytes of storage. If you've got tons of stuff and photos and video clips and other things you want to share with a group, it's not that bad of a deal. Um, but just keep well, in mind, and, you use the, yeah. go ahead. I was going to say, in your case, it doesn't matter. You have 15 other copies of everything that's in there, the, the way you back up. So if the, if one thing gets lost at Dropbox, I'm sure you have it, you know, plenty of other spots. True. But It's very, very true. Yeah. Yeah. So that is Dropbox. That is a, a service I'm I I like. We still use. We're kind of a. We've kind of gotten so ingrained with it that we're we're not moving away from it anytime soon. Yeah. Wish it was better collaborating, but maybe let's talk about some alternatives, some different file sharing services. Yeah. That uh, maybe a little better for people. Well, let me Ali, let me let me ask a question about Dropbox because I I have had multiple Dropbox accounts in the past and have stopped using them shortly after having them because I just didn't, I didn't see really the the benefit uh, for myself. But so if you go back to your Dropbox and you wanted to edit a file, what is your process of doing that? So if you wanted to, open, if you wanted, yeah, if you wanted to, to open up a, a document and, and change it, like a, download like a, it, like a text document, like, a, yeah, yeah. See, because I mean, again, I can't go in videos or, 
I can't go in there and edit PDF files. Um, well, let's just say it's, a, it's thing, a text document. Yeah, let's just say it's a Word document. You threw a Microsoft Word document in there. <laughs> Try to look and see if I even have any Word documents in here. <laughs> I don't. I don't deal with text very often. So let me. Uh, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to put a uh, Word document up there right now. Okay. Uh, see if I can find one. <laughs> and your and your uh, your interface there, I'm assuming, works to where you can just drag and drop even on a even on a web browser. Correct. Yep. Yep. That's what yep. I'm going to do right now. Actually, is once I put a file up there, I'm going to show you. Oh gosh. Okay. <laughs> this is crazy. Okay, I'm going to put our show notes up from. Uh, <laughs> okay. <episode. laughs> All right. Basically, I'm dragging from my desktop yep. a Word document. Now it is uploading it. You see the little window pop okay. up. It says it's uploading. I just dragged it into the window on my web browser. And now it's there. Great. And it shows me the document right here. So let's go ahead and open that up. So this is me. So I can see the file. Okay. But... So it's showing it you a is. static version of the file, right? Like Correct. almost like a PDF would be, right? You can see it. Mm -hmm. um, you can't edit it, but can is there an option? I'm sorry, I can't see it, but in the corner, is there like an option to open in Microsoft Word or something like that? Is there a connection that can be made? Yeah. Between so right there, yeah. can you see the little drop down? I did? Yeah. So yep. you can choose to open it in Microsoft Word okay. on the web. Yeah. Or you can open it directly in Google Docs okay. too. Okay. But it's not going to let you edit because it's a Microsoft Word document. It doesn't have the right permission to go in and edit yep. that. Now, you can create in Drops a text document, I believe. So it has kind of a note feature or a text feature. Yeah, a create document. So you can create a Word document dynamically from here. I think hmm. uploading one on another device isn't going to let you have that option. But here I'm actually going into Dropbox and say I want to create a Word doc from within here. And it's actually embedding Microsoft Word from the web. So giving you some, some hooks to do that. Again, I, I don't use it for this purpose. So I, I don't know how this is going to work. Yeah. But it's actually using a Microsoft Word embedded web version to let you create a document that's going to be saved in Dropbox. Now, okay. this document will be one that you could share. Yep with others and collaborate with. Yeah. Um, so it does have a nice, and I, I would imagine, I would imagine there has to be a way of that other document you put in there that you could, instead of just saying open, you, I'm sure if it's got a Microsoft word embedded, there's gotta be a way of editing it. Or, well, I think if you say open it for in Microsoft word on the web, there you go. then that's there what you it's go. going to do right here. And did this, yeah. and, and did you have to have a, a, uh, an account of Microsoft office on the web to get this or is this, Built in. No. Okay. Uh, seems to be built in. I'm still okay. logged in. It's just my company. Okay. So that's helpful. Dropbox is in. Yeah. That's yeah. Helpful. And that's something I don't, again, I don't do any kind of collaboration with Inbox, but it is nice to know they have some ways of doing that. Yeah. But again, yeah. it's still going to be, uh, I don't know, you're still using Microsoft Word on the web to do it. Uh, yeah. But yeah, there are some yeah. tools there. So that's okay. good. Yep. Well, let me, let me give my, let me give my counter counter argument, I guess, for um, the, the service. Well, I, I have two services that I use uh, for online okay. storage and sharing, and okay. uh, and they both are given to me by the university, or at least one is, and the other one 
Um, we have access to that. But so Google Drive is one of them. Um, the okay. other is Box. And Box is one that my university uses as a very secure um, kind of file repository way to, to add the files just exactly like Dropbox. Um, I believe the security of Box is thought to be a little bit better. Um, at least that's what the universities tend to buy into because of you know HIPAA requirements yeah. and FERPA requirements. They they have to have a, a layer of security that um, is yeah. uh, up to their standards. That's a good point, Brian. One thing I didn't mention with Dropbox is that one of the one of the cons of Dropbox that a lot of people like to like to bring up is that security wise. It is not built on the most robust, secure environment. Uh, it is really yeah. focused on sharing and letting people have access to files at different levels to the point where uh, a lot of security experts say it's really not built on the best security foundation. So yeah. if Box so is takes, one that it really takes sharing, plays up more It takes sharing to maybe maybe even oversharing is what you're saying. <laughs> possibly, <laughs> yeah, yeah could be possibly. a little bit. Yeah. I, I think, uh, again, I think it's kind of a balance. It's like you want flexibility and you want to user friendliness, but you may be trading off on security yep. underlying this, yep. those files where box I have heard is definitely more focused on a higher level security on their file yep. sharing. Yep. Well, let me just uh, quickly show you so we can kind of uh, not get bogged down too much in this. So let me just quickly show you a window. So let's have, have you share my window for a second. Okay. So so here is what box looks like for me on the uh, online version, like the web the mm -hmm. web access. Is, for most people looking, it's going to look very, very similar to Dropbox. Okay, I'm going to go up to a tab up top, and this is Drive. Looks very, very similar to the same thing. So you're going to get All right, you just you know, flipped over to Google Drive. I flipped, a, I flipped over to Google Drive, and I'm flipping okay. back to Box. Very similar, you know, to what Dropbox does. You're going to have the list of the files, list of the folder, and they are web enabled, meaning you can do things to the folders and files in the web browser as opposed to, you know, only having to refresh the browser. So, you know, same thing here. I can click and get a share feature. I can get a an option to uh, determine who has access, download it, all that sort of stuff. So. Uh, I use these interchangeably. The only reason I have both is that Drive was something I already had because it was free. You know, me people people probably need to know. You know, the comparison Dropbox. Um, Alan, you said it was how many gigs? Two gigs for free. For free. I think yeah. I think Google Drive is fifteen gigs for free, if I'm not mistaken. Um, plus, you have all of the accessible elements within it, right? When you get a Google Google account, you get Google Docs. So therefore I can just take a file, double click on it, open it up in Google Docs and be able to, to edit it while you're also editing the same file, assuming that I gave you your permissions. Um, so I like that. Um, I, I, I will say I do not particularly care for the fact that anything I do in Google Docs is going to be a different uh, file format, right? It's going to take a Microsoft Word and open it in a Google Doc and then a copy of it. Uh, but it's gotten better at that. It's gotten much better, actually. They they allow you to keep some of those um, uh, keep some of those file types uh, similar. But for me, this is this is the way I I do it. And you know, I don't pay for Drive, um, but I do. I'll I'll back up certain things to Drive. 
Um, there's a part of me that doesn't feel great about Google's uh, mm. security, but um, I'm already in that, <laughs> you know, in that um, that system. You're already, already there. So, yeah. Me, right? So I'm not that concerned about specific files. Um, so I would just make the argument that for me, if I'm, you know, for, for one, I don't pay for, I don't pay for online storage. And if I did, I would probably pay in a way that would be something I would feel comfortable long-term, very secure. Uh, Dropbox is fine. I don't see, and I don't have any problems with Dropbox. Um, it would do what I would want it to do for the most part. But I also know that personally, I can't remember the last time I received anything from anyone on Dropbox. You know, I get <laughs> things from, and probably, probably it's just, you know, who we, our organizations that we work with, right? Um, I'll have someone say, hey, I'm working on this. You know, I'll share a Google Doc with you. And all of a sudden we're working in Google Docs and I have access to that file and that folder and I'm storing things up. So um, so I think that's the question, right? If you're, if you're wanting to have the entire usability of the service, you're probably going to want to pay for it so that you get all the features that would go with it. Um, but I, I'm not in a place where I want to pay for one right now because I, sure. I feel like I can get if I can get 15 gigs on, you know, on Drive for free. Mm -hmm. uh, of yeah. course, I get a lot more because I'm, you know, the university has an account. Plus, it's connected to my Gmail. Plus, all of these things mm -hmm. can kind of work out pretty well. And what I will say, Alan, about all of these, so Box, Dropbox, Drive, those those three are all fantastic in that they can integrate really really well with Apple's eco uh, um, kind of ecosystem, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you pull up for those that have iPhones. If you pull up your Files app on your iPhone, and if you happen to have any of these services as an app on your phone, Box, Drive, um, and uh, Dropbox they'll show up in your files app as places. So you can go and sort through, you can look in the menu and go, oh, I wanna look in my box and I go here. Oh, and let me back out and I wanna look in my Dropbox and go here and I can share those those files. Um, that I think is fantastic. Um, on the computer, it allows you to have it as an actual folder and, and drive built in as opposed to uh, having to go through the web. I despise going through the web if I don't have to. Um, you know, I'd rather not use that because, you know, I want to have it feel as though I'm accessing it like I do other files. So, so I think there are some pros and cons to, to be aware of, um, you know, Dropbox, I think again is, was the gold standard initially. It was kind of the one everybody was using. I think drive, uh, if you're looking for full feature where you're saying, I want to have one place to store stuff that I can also then have access to edit the files and do everything in that that uh, ecosystem, Google Drive, I think is fantastic for doing that. And of course, it's it's got its problems. Like I said, I don't like working in it as much as I would like working natively on some apps. But you yep. know, you, you don't you're not limited by much. Um, so I almost see it this way. Brian. Box will allow you to do it too. So yeah, yeah. I, I see Dropbox and Box as pretty darn similar. I mean, I, I think their functionality, the way they work. Yeah, you can collaborate but within certain boundaries. I think you know of certain types of files and so forth. Um, I think Box is probably known for being a little little better on the security side than Dropbox, yeah. and Dropbox might yeah. be a little bit more uh, a little bit more uh, readily used than Box as far as out in the public mm -hmm. you know, people using. To me, I think Google Drive. The the question for that is, 
Google Drive is wonderful if you are pretty heavy in the Google environment uh, and you find yourself collaborating with people on Google Docs and Google Spreadsheets and, and so forth. Yeah, It's a great storage platform on its own, but I think it really where it really will turn heads is say, okay, if you are in an environment with friends, family, or colleagues where you're all wanting to work on Google Docs together, you got a spreadsheet, you want to make sure everybody can go and access it and put in their own information into it. Google Sheets is great. I don't see that type of collaboration as easy to pull off on any of these other services. Yeah. So yeah. to me, if collaboration is your biggest need, I think your Google Drive is, is probably your best bet. Yeah. If you're really looking for a service just to share files with people, give a repository place, using that word again, for people to access the files anytime they need to, and you're not as focused on needing to work on the same document together with other people, then I think a Dropbox or a Box kind of makes good sense for you if that's all your needs are. Um, yeah, but can you tell me why? Yeah. What would be the benefit? If I just wanted to use the online storage for, uh, portion of well, Drive? I know for me, I, I know for me, I, I, I would rather not work in Google drive if I can help it. If there's not yeah. a, an actual need to, just because I think interface, I think it's a little clumsier to use. I feel like mm -hmm. it's a little, all that again, if I don't have any need for collaboration and I can get by on a two gigabyte free account, I personally would use one of these others just for sharing out files. Yeah. The sharing mechanism in Google is great if you're sharing it with somebody else as a Google user, but the minute you try to share it out with somebody outside of the Google environment, it starts to be a little messy. Um, yeah. yeah. The, the biggest thing I have a problem with, Brian, on Google Drive, and again, I, I think it's great for collaboration, but so many times if somebody tries to share a file in Google, Google Drive, and you send it to somebody's email address, if, if somebody tries to share that with me, like I wasn't the one who got the intended file the first time, but somebody wants to sh now share it with me, I, I can't go in and log in by default to view that file unless I'm logging in with that original email address. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. Which isn't something you have to worry about in a Dropbox or a box sharing. You can share a link and say, here's the link. Whoever's got the link can get to it. You can put some file permissions behind it, but it takes a little more effort to do that. Google, yeah. by default, is going to tie everything to your email address you want to log in on. And I can't tell you how many times somebody has shared a file with me, and because I've got six different email addresses, they send it to one of them. And if I try to go into login to do that, I'm like, oh, no, I got to switch to another Google account user to do it. And if it's an email address I don't have a Google account tied to, then I've either got to figure out, I've either got to go create a Google account with that email address, or I've yeah. got to go back to them and ask them to share it with a different address. Yeah. So that's some well, of the I think, things I that, think that I think that partly is user error though. And it's user error on the person so. sharing it. Right. Because if Possibly. I, if, if I go that's kind of the default thing they do though. Yeah. No, but if I go into drive and I say, I want to share this file, I mean, typically it's saying, Hey, give me the email address of the person you want to share it to. That's the problem. If you do that, then yes, you're, you're giving it to that person only. Right. But if you say, okay. give me a shareable link that the shareable link then gets sent out, then, yeah. then it, it seems to be a little different. The problem, I mean, so the one Google thing people Drive, need to be aware of if yeah. you're, if you're mm -hmm. talking about security, 
realize what Alan just said is that Dropbox would allow you to share to someone and you thought you were sharing it to that person. They forward it to someone else. And now that person has yeah. access because they have your link. So you just have to be really, really careful about the sharing permissions that you give on a file. If you say share True. and you say, yeah. I want to share via link, that link would be open to anyone that has that link. If you want to share with a person. So I think, you know, in a sense, Drive is trying to give you more security and that someone, yes. only the person you told could have it is having it unless you made it an open link for anybody. All, all I base it on is I get files shared to me from a wide variety of people. Um, I'll give an example. I, I worked with some elementary schools teachers on a project not too long ago where they all had to share files with me, videos that we were putting together into kind of a, a collection. And a lot of them were using Google Drive, which is great because I'm sure that's something that was available to them through, through the school and they were using. But there again, it was a, it was being shared by default. And again, they, this is the default way people were sharing was attached to a particular email address and I yeah. needed those things yep. to be forwarded to me. That was a problem. Now, yes, I understand Google Drive can do either. It can share with individual people or it can share with a shareable link. It seems yep. like, based on my experience, the default is more it's being shared with individual people. Yeah, And to go is. in and do a link takes a couple more clicks or takes a little bit yes. of a different effort. Um, yep. Dropbox, by default, is going to share with a shareable link that could be opened by anybody. You can go in and specify specific users if you wish, but they yeah. make it really, really freaking easy to just share a link. So that's a situation where both are right. <laughs> both both are doing things the right way. It's just a matter of which one you use for what purpose, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and this this is what I will I will just say because I think quite honestly, of everything we've talked about, this is this is probably the most important thing that people uh, can hear and and use from this is if you're going to share files through a service like this, you need to get very comfortable and understand what the sharing permissions are. So yeah. for example, if I go into Drive and I say share, you know, of course it's like Alan said, it's trying to share. It wants you to give an email address and say, hey, I want to I share it with Alan. Here's the email address, yeah. great. It's going to go to Alan. Alan's going to have to log in with his Google account with that email address because that's only person has been shared with. That's a safety thing, but also it is a frustration thing as you hear from Alan. Um, on the other side, if I say, let me create a shareable link that is available to anyone, realize that just because you're trying to make it easy on yourself by saying, oh, you know what? I don't want Alan to have to deal with that. I want him to be able to make sure he can open it up and no matter what account he has, that also means that link can then just be shared to anyone and those people have access. So when you think about the permissions, be very, very um, yeah, you're right. thoughtful about the permissions. And, sure. and again, Dropbox makes the open non-secure <laughs> permissions the standard, and then you yeah. could go the other way. Drive makes the close, and actually Box does this too. Box makes it close. I think that's why it's seen as, as safer. Yeah, and I'm then sure you the have, security you have to go back and say, oh, no, 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 open it up. Open it up to everybody. Yeah. You have to do that. So if you're someone is just going to be doing with family, you're just going to be doing files, you want ease of access. Yeah, absolutely. Dropbox can do that and probably have yeah. a lot less frustration. Uh, if you're someone who has secure files, yeah. 
then yeah. I would I would think twice about it, or at least that, be very educated about how you're using it. I think that's a good way to sum it up, Brian. I think you're right. I think if if your your needs are, I want simple ways to share files, not as hung up on the confidentiality and security of those files. If somebody else were to get the link, it's not the end of the world. It's not a problem. Yep. Um, then you're yeah. I think Dropbox is a great simple way to do it. It's a, it's a fun service to use for that. But you're right. If you are very specifically sharing documents with certain people and you want to make sure it's only those people getting access, Dropbox does make it a little harder to do that kind of access where Drive makes it more, that's the default way it does it. So yeah, I think there's two different angles with that for sure. Um, The overall goal with any of these file services we're talking about is just it's a great way to get files out there to share with other people. Sometimes it's good for collaboration, but you really need to pick the right service based on that. Sounds like the distinguishing factors on these services are security and collaboration. And yep. Yep. Uh, it kind of can vary between these three. And there's a lot of other file sharing services besides these three, but yep. I really think these are the three we've personally been using and have experience with and can comment on. So, yeah. And just always, you know, uh, for me that always think of, the other person's experience, you know, while yeah. you're sharing, if you're going to be sharing, don't just assume, well, this is the one I like to use and don't assume that sharing it with other people is going to be the service they want to use. So that's True. where some of these, these are helpful. These three are helpful because a lot of people have, especially drive and um, Dropbox. I think everybody has them. So using them, you don't have to feel bad about sharing that way. Yeah. Okay. Alan, I want to hear about your NAS. I want to hear about the other. Yeah. Let's, let's move on and talk about this for, for a little bit. Um, yeah, kind of moving on. And we are yeah, still in the sharing vein, but as I mentioned a few weeks ago on this show, I had installed or purchased at the time a network attached storage unit, a NAS. And happy to say that it is it is up and running. Um, for as a quick recap to remind everybody what this is, is this is a, a batch of hard drives inside of an enclosure. Uh, and this, this box is connected to your network. It's not uh, connected directly to your computer. It's plugged up to your network with an Ethernet cable directly into your router or hub or d- whatever device you're using where you can plug in and get the Internet access directly to it. So it sits on my network. Um, trying to see if I can bring it over. Ooh, dangerous. Yep, dangerous. so here's this. It is up and running. Let me just turn my camera mm-hmm. over. See, okay. So it is here. Nice. As a reminder, it is a two drive NAS, means it has two hard drives on the inside. I can actually pull off that lid and show you right there the two places where those drives go in. Now, I configured this to be a, I'm trying not to get too technical with the term here, but basically it's configured as a RAID. Mm-hmm. It's a rate one technically. And what this means is when you set up the NAS, you kind of tell it, how do you want to handle the drives inside? Um, a RAID configuration means that it's going to give you access to one drive and it's always going to replicate it, the contents the of drive one over to drive two. Yeah. So what that means is that if one of those hard drives were to go bad, and it tells me, it notifies me, hey, your drive is starting to fail. It's not looking good. I can actually pop that one out of this thing, and I don't lose any data. 
because it's replicated the contents onto the other drive. Now you can choose not to do that. And you could say, I want to create, I want to tie these two drives together and make one big storage place for me. So in my case, I've got two eight gigabyte or eight terabyte drives. I could say, make it a one 16 terabyte storage and there's no backup. Meaning if a drive goes bad, I lose half my data possibly. But I set it up as a array to say, I've got eight terabytes of storage and it's always creating a replicated version of that drive on the other drive. And it's doing it automatically. I don't have to touch it. I don't have to worry about it. And it's nice because if a drive were to go bad, I could pop it out, pop in a brand new drive inside of it, and it just picks up where it left off and I'm right back to where I was. So it's a nice setup. And when you start up the NAS, when you get it configured, it walks you through those those options and says, how do you want to configure this? How much space do you want to use? And how much do you want to have it replicating the other drive? Okay. So that's, that's a good, that's a good point, Alan. So it, it, it puts it in understandable language for people. So for example, it's not going to say, Hey, do you want to raid one, raid two, raid three, or is it going to say, how do you want to use this? Select these options. It it does do some, yeah, it does do some walking through. Okay. Synology, the brand that makes this this yep. particular device, uh, has its own terminology. It's like a certain type of file system that you could choose to use. And what it means says is, this means that it's always going to keep a copy. You yeah. have a one okay. drive fault set up, yep. meaning one of your two drives could go bad and you're still fine. You, you don't yeah. lose anything. So it talks about like it. redundancy and things like yeah. that rather than That's just right. going choose which RAID you want, right? Exactly. It does walk you through and help you understand that. But that is kind of a common way that a lot of these NAS devices are set up is to be that redundancy. So that means I don't have to worry about backing up anything on this. It's it's kind of grading its own backup automatically. Next thing I'm going to show you, Brian, is I'm going to log in. When you set up a NAS and it's on your network, it actually operates as its own device on your network, which means you can actually log into it through a web interface. So let me show you what I'm talking about. This is me on a web browser. My NAS, the Jackson NAS, is sitting right over here near me, but it's plugged up to my network. So I'm actually able to go in and log in. This is an interface that Synology, the company that created this, has made. So I can actually log in. And when I do, I actually have own interface, like desktop interface for this unit. So it actually has created in my web browser. I see all the icons of different things I can do on the NAS. It's given me a system health to let me know how it's working. It lets me know my uptime. Like right now it's been up for 13 days. I haven't powered it down or anything. I started it. And I have a lot of control options on this. So uh, I have control panels. These are all control panels specifically for this NAS unit. So I'm I'm actually controlling it all through a web browser with a internal IP address it gives me uh, to use. And I can do a lot of things. So sharing of the folders is probably the number one thing that people do. So when you create your NAS, you actually decide what folders you want to have inside the storage that you want to be able to access through a computer or somewhere else on your network. So I've actually created different SharePoints on this. So the way this translates, Brian, is I've created these. These are like folders within this storage where I can put mm-hmm. things. And now if I go over and show you my actual desktop computer, let me pull that window up. Um, 
yeah, let me go to this. So if you notice over on my left-hand side over here, my locations, it has Jackson NAS. It shows up in my, my finder as mm -hmm. a, as a, as a location on my network. If I click it, there are those same four SharePoints. Nice. Okay? So I created one called media. And if I go into media, these are folders I set up in media and I can actually take files now and drag them into any of these folders and it will copy it to my NAS. And that means that file is now backed up and available on the network to anybody else here in my home network that needs to get access to it. And then it'll be replicated. So I, again as well, yeah. right? So you've got two That's copies right. of it, two drives that have it. Yep. Yeah. Okay. This is where I'm putting all of the media for like my Plex server. So all the movies and TV shows and home videos and all that are all up in these folders. So I can actually go in and view the movies directory and there are all the files. Hmm. If I were to drag a new movie file into one of these folders, it's going to get copied to my NAS. It's going to be automatically backed up for me. And I've got this set up to work with my Plex server. So any of these folders are what go into my Plex server automatically. But to know that I've got these folders. So if I wanted to go in and create a new folder and say, I want to share, have a folder called family. Okay. And I want to put a bunch of family related documents in there. Then in the NAS environment, back to the desktop on that. Sorry for the clicking around here, but, uh, yeah, if I go back to the, the actual NAS control panels, this is where I can actually go in and choose a folder. And I could go in and different permissions for it. So I can actually go in and get permissions to different users that I want to have access to it. So by default, it's got an admin user and it, it's got me, but I can add new users to this and actually give them access remotely to this, to that particular mm -hmm. folder. Now it does get really technical as you see us probably as I'm clicking around, there's a lot of technical stuff to it. It's not the easiest user-friendly go in, click a few buttons and all the sharing things. But this allows you to create your shared folders. I can go in and create different users. So Brian, if I wanted to add you as a user, I could create you and give you permission to different folders on this. And then there are options for external access, meaning I could actually go in and turn on access where if people had a certain link, you could go in and actually access it. You'd have to log in with your board, but then you could actually see those same folders I'm sharing with you from this box over here. Is that the only now, way to, to access it, Alan? So if you're remote, so if you were on your phone, mm -hmm. you have to turn so, the NAS on to be external accessible, right? You got to have an external access turned on, okay. but there is a uh, web address that you could go to either on a mobile device or on a, a desktop to access it. And it will allow you into the environment and you can see your shared folders and see your mm -hmm. files from mobile. Technology well. doesn't have a mobile app, like an iOS app that is. No, I don't believe no. so. It's all based on web through, through a web, web address. Web, web address. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. Um, now, the thing I think is the most interesting about this, this, uh, this analogy specifically, let me go back to, uh, yeah, there's a function on here called the package center. Okay. And this is something inside this synology environment that what's really kind of cool about the package center is that there are already 
basically applications you can install on your NAS that would run on the unit itself that are already pre-made, ready to go. And as I'm scrolling through these, you can just see how many there are right now that you could add. And the idea behind this is, let me see if I can find one that I'm actually using that can explain. Um, like for example, WordPress, you know, if you were somebody that, uh, if you were somebody that, uh, wanted to run a website off on the NAS, you could, and you knew WordPress, you could actually install WordPress. It would be installed on this unit and you could build a website directly from the unit mm. that doesn't exist anywhere else except there. And now it's being served out everywhere else. Um, Plex has a package. It doesn't nice. show up right here in the, uh, it doesn't show up automatically in their their little uh, their little store, but you can go to the Plex website and there's a link to say download the Plex uh, for Synology package, and then it's simply a way of saying you want to install it. You do a manual install and you just select the file that you download on your computer. That will then install that program on your NAS, so you can actually have your own little operating system of applications running there. Homebridge, you know, the application you and I have both worked, played around with, has its own package as well. So you install Homebridge into this. So that's why right now on my, my, my actual unit, I've got a Homebridge directory, which has all my Homebridge files. I've got my media, which is everything for Plex. Plex itself has its own shared folder just for its own server of files. And then I've got Time Machine. Time Machine is the Apple backup time machine. So I'm pointing my laptop to my NAS as a time machine backup unit. And it's nice. backing up everything to it. I've also got one other laptop in the house that's backing up via time machine to this as well. So Great. to know that I can go in and install a lot of other things into this, if there are some, some of these applications that you need to be running 24-7 in your, on your network and you don't want to tie up a computer to do it, there's a pretty good chance there's a way to install it on one of these devices and it would be up and running 24 seven. As you saw, my NAS has been up for 13 days straight. It hasn't had to power down for any reason. That's 13 days when I got it, I think. Um, hmm. Do you get so, notified if it, uh, if it goes down? Yes. So you set I up do. some notifications on this. You can get notified if a drive is gone bad. It gets, you can also, you set up a Synology account like an online web okay. account through Synology, that account is always pinging your NAS to make sure it's still available and operating. And if it loses connection, it throws you a notification and says, Hey, we can't reach it. So something's up. What's it's down for some reason. Cool. If you got a drive that's looking like it's going bad, it's going to notify you and say drive one is uh, failing to some degree or is on the verge of failing or having some issues we recommend replacing it out and popping in a new one. So uh, nice. all that's done. But you have a lot of lot of options in here. You know, here's where you get in the notifications. You can turn on those email notifications uh, for different right, things that are push. happening. Yeah, that's great. Hardware and power, I can automatically have a restart if there's a power surge issue. Mm -hmm. uh, external devices. So there is a USB port on the front of it. So if you did want to plug up yet another drive that was external to this and you wanted to say, Hey, I want you to take this share, my time machine share, and I want you to automatically back it up to this external USB drive. You could configure all that here as well. So nice. uh, 
overall, it's a pretty powerful device. I'm having a lot of fun using it. I will say the interface as you get into this is a little daunting. There's a lot of a lot of more technical knowledge to have about sharing it externally on the internet or setting up new users to use it. There's a lot of things you got to kind of click through and get familiar with to do that. But at its core function of just storing files for you and having good backup strategy for those files and having it available throughout your whole home network, uh, it's a pretty easy setup to get that going. That's very Do you have cool. any questions or anything you're curious about? With well, I mean, I mean, you know, I think I told you the other day that you, you got me, you got me researching. Uh, yeah. you know, I've been looking at the exact same one that you have. And then I've been looking at one that's bigger than what you have just because, just because I would want to have one that's bigger. Um, Understood. But uh, uh, I, I mean, I, I, there is still a part of me that's thinking, you know, a three drive is what's ideal, right? Yeah. One drive where it's mm -hmm. like, this is where I store things. And then the other one that let's, let's copy that one. So I have a backup of that. And that's the only important stuff. And maybe a third one that really is kind of, this is what I get used for, you know, networking, or maybe this is a, you know, just a second drive that is always additional storage. I don't know. I guess that's where four comes in and all of that. You can kind of double up on two of them and, and things, but, um, yeah. but I love the, I mean, what, you know, obviously this, this is, this is the key, right? If you get, if you get one of your drives to be big enough for everything that you ever need, the second one is just insurance, which I think is, exactly. is a great move. So, And that's my take on it. For example, I'll just tell you. So I've got an eight terabyte drive that I store everything on. My time machine backups right now take about 1.5 terabyte, one and a half. My Plex server is about also one and a half terabyte. Yeah. So that's three terabytes right there. Um, Homebridge takes no room to, to have installed like at all. Um, the Plex server itself is very small to, to install. So really, I've got about three terabytes of actual stuff I'm storing right now. Yeah. Um, so I've still got four to five more terabytes I could throw at this thing. Yeah. And my second drive is going to always replicate and back up everything on that first drive. So yeah. that's kind of the way I went with it. I went with the two drive knowing that I would rather just have a really, really large capacity drive and then a replicated version. And I feel like that's going to cover all my needs. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I guess, I guess, you know, future proofing is what people really need to think about with this, sure. right? Is that, you know, I think one of the worst things while having a two bay drive would be, okay, now I filled one of them up. And so now I have to replace both of them because if I have yeah. a, you know, an eight, I fill up the eight, well, the eight's mm -hmm. been doubled to the other eight. So now I got to go replace both drives to get something bigger. Whereas it's I true. keep thinking like a three or a four drive, you say, well, I've got a, let's say I've got a four and I've got a four. And then if I eventually, you know, fill those up, well, I could always go now buy one eight and that eight could be the starter and the other two get the back, you know, so right. it kind of saves you long-term. But I mean, when you bought eight, I think you future-proofed yourself pretty well for a while. Well, uh, me, I, spend a I don't lot of time. need eight yeah. because there's only two yeah. of us and we don't do video like you do. So yeah. I'm not that worried, but um, that's yeah. the only concern. I really went in knowing that eight was probably the most I would need for the next few years. Yep. I yep. feel like. Yep. And yeah, at some point down the road, I'll, I'm, I may have to go higher to 12 or 16 terabyte drives, whatever they're making at the time. And then yes, I would have to replace both of them at the same time to get that functionality. Right. But right. I feel like I'm, I'm still a few years off from needing that. So uh, yeah. Do people, do people put multiple Synologies together? Yeah. 
I've seen okay. that too. Yeah. So two two bots. I mean, so you may even find that it's even smarter at that point to say, well, okay, now I just need a second. Maybe they've come down in price. You buy a second Synology and a you know and a spillover or something like that. So there are ways of making it so you don't have to replace Brian, everything. Yeah, Brian. Here's another alternative: is if you wanted to use a two drive or two bay, and you want backup, but yet you go ahead and make it to where it uses all the storage on both drives as your storage, you get a really large external drive, USB oh, drive, hook it up on the front time. and then mm-hmm. set up a schedule on this, on the, on the NAS to say, back up the contents of both drives yeah. Yeah. onto yep. this external USB. The external USB is going to be cheaper because it's a USB. It's not built as a NAS drive. It's not an internal drive to pop in there. And you could always swap that one out whenever you needed to. So that and it only has to work to every so often. It doesn't have to work all the time. Right. Exactly. Right? It's not yeah. doesn't have to be the highest speed drive that these NASs yep. recommend because it's just backing up everything that's on there. Yeah, and you're not so, going to serve anything from it. And yeah, that's right. a good. That's a good point. That's really. That's another point. option that would give you the flexibility of two drives that you could easily swap out one or another anytime you want to for capacity, but you're always doing your backup on that external drive. Yeah. Cool. A lot of ways to configure it, but I think it's it's fun. It is a fun device to play with. It is really great. I mean, I hooked, set it up as my Plex server and just immediately trying it on like my Apple TV, the Plex uh, from there. And I can noticeably see right away the it's movies load faster. Oh, yeah. Nice. nice. It used to be I maybe had to wait 10, 15 seconds for the the video to start. And occasionally it might buffer a little bit if I'm playing a really yeah. big H, like 4K type video. Now it's like, no, it starts in like two, two seconds and smooth playing back. It's really nice. So uh, knowing I've got that in my time machine backup, really accessible, easy to get to. I feel really good about it. So uh, good. Very, very happy with that. Well, I, I will have very little to contribute, obviously, since this is your deal, but I would say one thing I can contribute. It looks like they do have a Synology drive iOS app. Oh, they do. Okay, good. And an iPad app, which is which is set up very similar to it looks like setups very similar to maybe a Google Drive or a Dropbox app, okay, good. which is great. Perfect. And yeah. I noticed so just on the screenshots, the... one one really cool thing on the screenshots there, it looks mm-hmm. like you could pull up a file, say I want to share it, gives you a QR code where someone could scan your phone and you can share it right away from your own NAS uh, while you're far. Love that. So idea. so right away, Brian kind of dovetailing off our conversation of Dropbox and all that. Mm-hmm. I've got five terabytes of storage sitting right over here that if yep. I did want to decide to start sharing any of my own files to people for whatever reason, if I want to put videos up, I'm sharing with people or documents or whatever, knowing that that functionality is built into the app really easy yep. um, for individual yep. file sharing. Uh, that may be a good way to go too. And uh, saves me not having to, Pay for Dropbox. Yep. You know, personally, anyway. Agreed. So, yeah, uh, you can just save it for the the two terabyte free and just use mm-hmm. it for creative. Yeah. That's good. Well, I love it. I, I expect I will be following your lead very quickly. And and just to to explain to people how this whole thing kind of, you know, where my mindset on this is, you know, Apple Apple One, uh, the service that has Apple TV and all these other things with it. They just increase their price uh, per month. And I'm looking at it thinking the only reason I have Apple Family, which is the second tier, is because it has greater online storage. Well, if I buy myself a NAS, 
I can drop down to the low storage because I don't need the games that comes with the other one and things. So all of a sudden I'm, I'm thinking this is the way to not have to pay for online storage or not have to pay for some other services. And, uh, yeah, true. Yeah, I'm, I, and I, and, and I've got control of it, you know, and I could look, do a, a home server, which would be fantastic to be able to do a Plex. Look, server, it is so. an investment. I mean, it is yeah. an investment. It's a one-time cost for both the NAS unit. And then you got to get the drives that go in it. And those drives yeah. aren't cheap. You right. really want good ones that are meant to be used in a, in a NAS. Um, yeah. But once you've done it, it's a one-time cost and then you've got the full capability available. So, yeah. Yeah. I think it's fair to say, right. It's a, for your setup, it's probably a $500 setup, at least what I've yeah. been looking. Right. 500 okay. bucks. It's about yep. uh, 300 for the NAS. And then yep. you put in a hundred to 150 bucks for each of those two drives I got. Yep. Yeah. It's about cool. five, five fifty somewhere in there. Yeah. But again, it I'd be worth it. Yeah. I long think in the long run, yes. I mean, I was going to have to get a backup drive for my house anyway. And I was looking at a separate computer to run a Plex server or to run my home bridge or some of those. I'm like, you know what? I can do it all in one, one-time yeah. purchase and there's no ongoing cost involved with it. So that's right. That's good. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Very cool. Well, Brian, well, let's you... wrap up the show with a, with a bit. What do you say? Yeah. We got time to squeeze let's one in it. real quick. Let's yeah. do it. So guys, this is what we do at the kind of, we've started doing kind of either at the end of the show, or we used to sometimes do dedicated shows for these. And we may still occasionally from time to time, but we uh, share our brothers in tech suggestion or our bits uh, of the episode. It can be an app. It can be a gadget. It can be a website. It can be anything technology that we just want to recommend to people that they may want to check out or find some use in. So, uh, uh, Brian, what do you, what do you got to share with us today? Yeah. Um, okay. So I'm going to share, I'm going to share a product that I do not have. So I'm making full, uh, transparency here. I do not have this. It was just recently announced. Um, but it's exciting to me. Um, not necessarily that I will be buying it, but I think it could be exciting for some other people. So Alan, let me have you share that screen. Mm-hmm. Okay, so for those who know, have listened before, I'm uh, I'm a fan of oh. this company, uh, Wise. It, oh, your products from Wise, huh? That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, surprise. Never, never heard of them before. <laughs> yeah, I have I have uh, shared lots of things now. And let me for those who haven't listened, let me share why I um, I tend to uh, talk about Wise. My thing, and you probably heard it already, even today, saying I don't like to pay a lot for things. I like to find creative ways that I can either um, not have to pay for the highest name brand thing and potentially still get what's going on. Well, that's that's kind of Wise's mentality, right? They put up, uh, they look at product lines and say, are there overpriced products out there that people are just spending money on that we could make a less expensive version that potentially could, you know, uh, still work just as well. So I have a, an entire system uh, of wise cameras at my house. I have uh, night lights. I have a doorbell camera. I have uh, uh, a, a plug, you know, a Wi-Fi plug. Well, wise just announced that they are putting out a mesh router. And, you know, if you think back to a long time ago, we had a had an episode, a couple episodes, Alan, I think on networking and Wi-Fi. Um, So for those who don't remember, just very quickly, a mesh router is kind of the new technology on routers. And I was trying to think of an analogy, Alan, and tell me tell me what you think of this. Um, The old Wi-Fi routers, I look at them like having one 
garden hose sprinkler that you put out in the front of your lawn that's going to spray everywhere in your yard, right? One sprinkler from the middle. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Whereas a mesh router says, you know what, why don't we just put little sprinklers everywhere at the beds yeah. that are all on mm -hmm. one system only to get the water where it needs to go, right? Well, that's what mesh routers are, is that you can actually have multiple yeah. stations and expand, extend where you're going to reach. I mean, I've got a backyard. Well, I can't just do one sprinkler in the front yard. If I did, it'd have to cover my entire house and it well, makes no sense, right? Let's expand on your, your analogy a little bit, Brian. Yeah. If you had that one single sprinkler in the one corner, yeah, you could shoot it to where it's going to get some water on the far end of the lawn, but in yep. general, that's going to be less water going out there, right. weaker water right. at the other end of the yard. You put those little sprinklers around and you, you let them kind of, they're ones that can move to part, they can pan to different parts of the yard where it needs water. That's yes. the way mesh is. Mesh is configured to say, all right, yeah. I noticed that there's a lot of traffic coming from your living room. So I've got three little hubs around your house and we're going to kind of make sure we're all kind of, clustered to get as much traffic as much bandwidth to that living room as possible yep, yep. and as it moves so it's a smarter wi-fi network for yep, sure yep and what i also love is that it's configurable right it's not mm -hmm. like you have to go and replace that one big sprinkler when it goes bad you replace little yeah. sprinklers and expand and add another sprinkler and all of that so that's what a mesh system is so anytime you see mesh system it means there could be multiple of these boxes and the beauty is this not like extenders. So you know, I, I want to clarify, people say, oh, I have a Wi-Fi extender. That's fine. Wi-Fi extender just means it's taking what you have and resending it out somewhere else. So it's yeah. like, you know, it, it's, it's basically a, a bucket that catches that water and then tosses it further for you, right? Mesh is actually yeah. going to create its own little network in between the two. So they talk and then send out your, your network. Well, I will say... Most of these mesh networks are pretty expensive. Um, I just went and did a quick look, Alan, over here at Netgear, and you'll see Netgear. I think the cheapest one is maybe a three three seventy nine for two satellites, and they're going to cover more. They're going to cover more than what this uh, Wise, which is only for one. You'll see that it has a one pack for ninety dollars. You can get a two pack for one seventy three. Well, you can. What I love about it though is that it's it's built for compartmentalizing and saying, okay, you know, I have a house that is only 1500 square feet. I can get one. Oh, look at that. I can add a second one and I can add a third one in very similar to what the Google mesh network does. And I think Google is maybe just a tiny bit cheaper, maybe $99 a piece, but it's, it's great. in that they do have some really nice uh, setups in here. They've got the ethernet port on each one. So you can have a hard wire you've got Wi-Fi six occurring um, it looks like they are trying to do a pro version, as you can see over here on the left. And that one's kind of cool in that you'll notice it says it's going on a six gigahertz band, which mm -hmm. for most people, if you know that a lot of these networks are either 2.4 or 5 gigahertz, and that's just the, the signal that's being sent out. And so it's basically saying, well, you know what, those are getting congested with other things you know, we're going to jump into a new one. And so that you have a cleaner Wi-Fi going on. So I just like that they're, they're taking a, uh, an area right now that I know is, you know, been fairly <laughs> heavily priced uh, because the mesh mm -hmm. networks are pretty, uh, uh, are pretty uh, popular right now. 
So yeah. I'd like to see that they're jumping in on that. I, I cannot recommend it because I don't have it and I don't know how well they're going to work. But I do think that these are, you know, I love I love that there's an option out there, a less expensive option for people to compartmentalize what they need and not have to break the bank to do it. So so, so on this a little bit, I think the key point to, to make people aware of is this is that six, you know, Wi-Fi 6 kind of protocol, faster and more reliable. Because right now, I'll tell you, we use, I have Google Wi-Fi in our home, like a mesh network. Mm -hmm. Right now, you can buy a Google Wi-Fi for $200 for a three-pack, which is pretty nice. It's a good price. It's actually cheaper than the Wise you were just saying. However, the Google Wi-Fi is still on Wi-Fi 5. It's not the newer version. It's not the newer protocol. So they're actually discounting the prices a little bit more on the Google Wi-Fi. Google has moved to Nest Wi-Fi as their Mm. newer version of their Wi-Fi mesh network. And it is on that version 6 protocol for Wi-Fi. So that's the more comparable thing. So I just want to say in case anybody was looking at the Google Wi-Fi, yeah, it's a good deal. I mean, I love them. I've got them here. I've got them at my office as well. But they are on a one-level old uh Wi-Fi network. And yeah, there you see the Google Wi-Fi is like the cheap end getting in now. The Nest Wi-Fi price-wise on that is very comparable, a little higher than what you see for the Wise. So yep. Yep. So it's got two for 269. Yeah, yeah. So it's where Wise was two for 180, I believe, right? Right. Right. Yeah. Two for one. So that's yep. the comparison point. If you try to compare yep. this against the Google Wi-Fi, it looks like this is even more expensive than the Google Wi-Fi. The reason yeah. is that Google Wi-Fi is an older version and it's not the newer protocol that this guy, the wise is running on. So, yep. Yep. So I think, you know, this is something to keep, keep an eye on. Uh, I mean, here, here's the thing. I just love, I just love when a company like this makes comp- price competitive versions. If yeah. no other reason than it forces the others to say, we need to keep our prices somewhat competitive. Right. I mean, finally, Wise is showing up. If you go to Home Depot, you'll start to see their cameras in there being sold, which means now some other places that were selling their cameras and all of that have to compete with something Mm -hmm. that's less expensive. And uh, so I think it helps everyone. Um, I can't can't say that these are the best products where, oh, my gosh, they never go wrong, such as Allen Scale. Um, and I've had some cameras that have had some quirks, but they're all still working fantastic at this point. Yeah. I just think it's really, really cool when when other companies get involved in, in a company that is now kind of grabbed some traction as being a low-cost alternative to a, a number of products. So, Well, the only thing holding me back from getting more wise products is I'm waiting for, I guess, matter. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. No. And that's to key, happen right? because again, I need wise products to be available to me on my home kit yeah. environment. Yeah. So, and, and most they of will them not work. Some products they are, will not work. Yeah. Yeah. And they will not work on even home bridge. And really? so all my, all my plugs will, but my cameras will not. I cannot get my cameras wow. to show up at, is it? And I think we may have talked about this before. It has to be the HomeKit secure video. Yeah, and you have to yeah. you have to tap in. Now, newer ones, I think, are going to um, yeah. that go forward. But yeah, so anyway, so that's my that's my maybe B-I-T-S-S somewhat suggestion, maybe a future suggestion. Uh, that one doesn't work. No. No, I, no, I think maybe it's a... Uh, F F bit 
future bit. Um, F bit. Okay. F bit. Yeah. I don't know. We got to workshop that a little bit. That one's not, that one's not working for me yet. So. Um, Okay. okay. What do you got? So I'm going to do something very unorthodox for my bits suggestion. And I hope it doesn't bite me. Uh, I hope we don't lose listeners because of this, but um, I'm actually going to recommend another podcast. Hmm. Another well, tech podcast. <laughs> so, we'll be going an not, hour and 20 minutes. Nobody else is listening, Alan. Nobody's okay, listening. Okay, we're good. Then I'm going to lay this out here and we'll see what happens. Um, I, I, I'm, I've become pretty particular with the podcast I listen to now. I mean, it used to be in the early days of podcasts. I'm like, oh, just subscribe to everything and I'll just listen to whatever I can all the time. Nowadays, it's like I'm, I'm down to like four podcasts I listen to on a pretty regular basis. Um, there's one podcast that I think if you're listening to this show and you have listened this whole hour and 20 minutes, and if you're a Mac user, that's the whole caveat here. There is a podcast I'm a big fan of that I think is worthy. It's almost treated as a companion to our show where we're going to talk a little bit more generally about technology and try to go into a lot of different topics that can be, even though we do skew on Mac a lot of times, we still talk about topics and concepts that can be a little more broad. Uh, there's a podcast called the Mac Power Users. And just like the name infers, it is meant for people who are Mac users that are looking for maybe a little more, a little more digging under the hood, a little more, I want to really do more with my Mac and my Mac products than I was before. And the Mac Power Users has been around for quite a while. Uh, it's got 600, whoa, 666 episodes is like the newest episode, Ooh. number 666. Did not oh. realize that when I queued this up. So just, I don't know if I just jinxed everything for us or not, but um, <laughs> it's two guys. I mean, they've changed toast over the years, but the two guys right now, uh, Stephen Hackett and uh, um, um, Sparks, uh, David Sparks. And the two of them, they bring on guests occasionally, but they really dig deep every episode into the Mac environment. Brian, the reason I want to recommend this podcast to you, if you haven't already listened to some of it. I have not. They do episodes occasionally on HomeKit. Now, I know mm. that you are possibly considering dabbling in the HomeKit environment, and you may be experimenting yep. with that. Yep. I'm going to go ahead and recommend episode 663, which is HomeKit Check-In. They spend, uh, gosh, an hour and a half or two hours talking about their latest HomeKit setups or setups they're experimenting with. And to me, it was incredibly enlightening because it's just, you know, you and I talk home automation and HomeKit. I think we're probably talking from most users' levels, kind of at a from basic to intermediate level of getting into home automation. Hearing some of the ways that people are using HomeKit that they went through in detail in their episode, it was a wonderful listen. And I got so many great ideas from my own HomeKit setup at my house, talking about different products that are available and what they've used. It's just really deep on HomeKit, and it's really great information. So. Nice. In general, I'm recommending this podcast. If you are a Mac user, Apple user, and you'd like to go further, I mean, we talk about a lot of the generalities and some tips and tricks, and we try to talk through some uh, when Apple releases new versions of the system, we go through those a little bit. But we're always approaching it from a very more family, home, consumer level. These guys are going to get pretty deep on it. The other thing they do, which we kind of do with our bits, our suggestions. They do it as more of a gift guide is every year they put out a gift guide of buying mm -hmm. gifts for other people that are more in that Mac technology field. 
And it's a great place. Again, I, I, I need to listen to this episode because I normally get ideas of something I want to, most of the time, things I want to buy for myself. I don't really think about them as gifts for anybody else. Yeah, Sorry. I know you don't. No, I know you no don't. offense, but um, <laughs> um, overall, it's a good it's a good show. So if you cool. are a Mac like user and you really want to go a little deeper on the Mac use, uh, the Mac Power users, I think is a great podcast. And uh, yeah, so I'm going to recommend another podcast now. If that means our our two subscribers all of a sudden we lose them because now they're listening to this podcast. Well, I did it to myself. Why in the world should yeah. I recommend another tech podcast when we're hosting one? But I do think, uh, I think there's enough podcast listening time out there's there. For everybody. Time so in the day. Yep. Yep. We can share. Good. Okay. Good. Well, Brian, I'll but I, I did want to, I did want to um, let people know just in case, um, Brian, I, I know you probably haven't been checking the comments that we've been getting live, but um, <laughs> I have, I, I don't know if you've seen or not, but somebody somebody has a crush on one of us. I don't know who, yeah. but somebody's been I, putting up some nice messages, trying to get our attention, letting us know that they're really either yeah. in love with us or they're wanting us to help find love. Look, ladies, I'm married already. I just had my 25th wedding anniversary. I'm flattered. And I know you're probably talking about me and not Brian. I'm sure. Um, I'm flattered, ladies. Thank you. Um, but I am taken. I am mm. a one one man, one woman person. Okay, uh, Brian, you're the same setup. I'm. I, I, I am. Assume. I am. Okay. All right. I, I, sure. I am. Well, and and I, honestly, I'm looking at the the comment and and the uh, the grammar that was used in that comment. I'm thinking, yeah, yeah. It probably does mean that it's for you. So I'm just, I'm just <laughs> find your love in. Oh yeah, for audio listeners, we got some spam comments coming through. Uh, find your love in you city. <laughs> uh, I think they missed something there, but that's okay. I'm just find I'm just, my hot girls here is the other one that we've been getting. So yeah, I think I think uh, I think it means that we're just getting more popular. We really are. We're hitting that a whole new audience right now, yeah. um, mm-hmm. which is exciting. You know, I mean, I it is. I I was you know, terribly excited to see those comments pop in, especially when a, the same comment is popped up multiple times. It means they're really they're really, really wanting to get our attention. And right, let us know right. That they're listening and they're they're. I mean, I think you know, actively the dating, the dating sites. The dating sites are getting more interested in technology and. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just great. It's just great to know we're reaching a whole a whole new audience of, of people. And uh, so, Brian, yeah. if somebody wants to help us find your love in you city, you city, yep. How can they get a hold of me? You talk us. And- <laughs> <laughs> well, you can. You can send us a message as we as we go through our podcast because obviously that's got us really excited about it. Or you can send us an email and email at info at the mesh.tv. Info at the mesh.tv is how you can talk us. Talk us <laughs> then. <laughs> you can also go to the website www.brothers-in-tech.com to talk us to love. I wonder, I wonder if the Mac power users gets messages like that. Oh, no, no, they haven't, Probably. They haven't reached our, our level yet. I don't no, I don't think so. Yeah. yeah. Well, that has been brothers in tech today. Recap. Uh, I like Dropbox. Brian likes Google drive. Uh, yep. I've got a NAS that Brian now wants and yep. is excited to do. Uh, Brian's all excited about the wise new mesh Wi-Fi routers coming out. 
ones I still can't use because they don't work with HomeKit. And I recommended everybody stop listening to our podcast and go listen to this other podcast. That basically sums up our show today. Um, and scene. Yes. <laughs> right, we're done. Thanks, and, everybody. And Alan listening. and I are not exactly sure that we're really brothers, but that's that's for a future episode. Next week, uh, the DNA test should be coming back in. We will announce that at the beginning of the show. No. And you'll see if we hey. find your love in you city at that point. Can I? Um, nobody's listening anymore. So okay. just, no. uh, hold on. Before we wrap it up, so this little oh, guy yes. would like to say hello. Oh. Hi there. This is Turbo. Turbo. This is my son's cat that I'm having to babysit right now for a little bit, a little kitten. He has been whining the entire time sitting at the feet at my feet while I'm talking. He's very unhappy that I'm making a lot of noise while he's trying to rest. You got anything you want to say, buddy? No. Turbo. He's not saying you, anything. Have you found love in U City? <laughs> can I say something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, right on cue. Beautiful. Yeah. Anyway, right, I just wanted to say hi from him <laughs> in case people were hearing the uh, meowing in the background the whole time. All right. Nice. I think we're done. Yeah. Thanks everybody for listening fun. or watching. And uh, we will be back next week with some more uh, tech talk and uh, drop us a note, visit the website, anything. We're happy to talk. To you. All right. Take care, Bye-bye. everyone. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.